Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast. I'm your host, Josh or Jay Moskers. Kyle, once again, not here. He had a, he had something come up, so he'll be back next week, probably. Uh, joined this week by our special guest, Clark, from the Hello Tangent podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, so yeah, the Hello Tangent podcast. Why don't you tell people a little bit about that, what you do over there? Uh, so Hello Tangent kind of, it kind of came about uh, with a coworker of mine. We were talking one day and we really just have this uh, strange way of communicating where people can't really follow our conversations. And uh, we wanted to talk about all the things that were just kind of nostalgic to us. And uh, we actually had a 10 year difference between us two. So it was a unique perspective on someone who uh, was 10 years younger than me. Uh, and us talking about all these topics like anime, comics, TV, movies, and we would just really get into it. And we'd always find ourselves just kind of spiraling off into different directions. So one day we yeah. came up with the name Hello Tangent because all of our other coworkers couldn't follow anything we were talking about. So it just kind of became a running joke and uh, eventually became a podcast. And I've been doing it for about close to two years now. And uh, yeah, it's just been kind of fun having a uh, Friends of mine come on, a revolving door of special guests and talking about all kinds of topics. But it was it was mainly rooted in kind of nerd culture, and it's kind of blossomed from there to uh, other hobbies and interests of mine, and mainly the, the hobbies and interests of whatever guest happens to be on that week. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I like I like those uh, styles of podcasts where it just kind of covers whatever. It, I feel like it's easier to get into at times. Just uh, it's laid back, nice and easy going in. Yeah, we tried the we tried the hard structure thing at first and like the deep research mm-hmm. and then it got to the point where we realized people were giving us better feedback with the conversational style and it was more natural for us and I you know less research obviously less you know legwork on our end. So it just kind of yeah. uh, kind of evolved into that and we've been enjoying it. Nice. Yeah, anyone that's listened to our show for a while has, has would will know that there's been times where I've tried to incorporate uh like like sections of the show where it's like all right we're gonna try a new like segment and it just never works out because it just feels forced i'm like this is not it's just not natural it's just kind of weird it kind of throws off the whole flow of the conversation and usually when we have guests on anyway it's like like i said it's just conversation it feels weird to like all right let's stop what we're talking about we have a segment coming up you know it's just i don't know it, it never seems to flow well for for what we do yeah, absolutely. Just kind of kind of let things unfold, blossom as they will, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, before we dive into like the, the gaming side of things, uh, I was I was interested in like your, your background uh, as far as like uh, like military and like ATF and stuff like that. Like how did how did that all get started? So, I mean, other than being a lifelong nerd, I guess, as far as uh, gaming goes and you know, comics and things along that nature. I also uh, am a a big history buff. I got that from my father and uh, it kind of followed me all the way through high school into college where I actually majored in history with a focus in military tactics and technology and the evolution of such. And uh, so immediately after college, I of course did what you would expect me to do. And I became a touring musician for the rest of my (laughs) twenties. And then, uh, I finally settled down uh, into the firearms industry where I became a private ATF compliance manager, which is basically uh, an in-house investigator that makes sure all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted so that if they ever were to get audited, uh, basically they have all their ducks in a row. And uh, okay. from there, I moved on to actually curate a private historical collection 
which I can't speak much on because of an NDA, but it will be put on display okay. for the public, presumably at the end of this year. Awesome. I know you can't, you just mentioned you can't like speak on it a whole lot. How do you get into like starting a collection? Uh, like, well, do, you, do you just look at like, this is something that might be interesting, like this, this particular firearm and then just start collecting or do you have something in mind when you, when you go into it? Uh, well, for me in particular, uh, and, and this is not my personal collection that's going on display. It will be a museum, but it's the collection that I curated uh, on behalf of the okay. owner of a company. Uh, I see. Okay. But uh, someone that has far more, far more money than I do to be able to afford these things. <laughs> and, okay. But in my personal collection, um, it did come about when I was studying in college and just became interested and I, w- I was never a gun guy. I wasn't raised really hunting and things like that. I mean, I, I grew yeah. up in the South and near, the, I guess you could say the outdoors. Like I knew a lot of outdoorsy people, but it just wasn't really something I particularly wanted to do. So firearms for me really became an interest when I started studying history and really getting into uh, different wars, how the like technology evolved. And uh, then I started just buying my own private firearms that I wanted to basically enjoy them not only for study, but just, you know, wall hangers. I never really had a, a huge desire to do anything with them other than target shoot, show them off and use mm-hmm. them for research purposes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've always thought about like, I, I like world war two history. And, uh, that was one of the things like, I guess, I guess it started from like playing world war two related, like video games. And then I was like, this, this is like a cool firearm here. Like the MP 40 was one. Uh, like the M1 Garand, things like that. And I was like, all right, what else do they have? Like the, uh, just any, basically any of them. I was, I was just like, this is cool. It'd be interesting to have these. And then I, I also realized like, I, it's not worth it for me to have them because I'm not going to do anything with them. I don't like having just things sitting around the house. So to me, that was a, that was a problem. But even like, even since like then, uh, it was, it's still like kind of in the back of my mind. Like it'd be cool to have like a historical collection of things. Cause I have like, uh, I have some stuff. I have, uh, like death cards from Vietnam. I have an old world war two, uh, Russian tanker helmet back there. Uh, so I have a very small little collection of stuff, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's stuff I, I kind of like. It's definitely something you have to kind of choose choose your vein kind of thing of what, what do you want to focus on? What do you want to collect? And I know a lot of people that, that, you know, they think they want to get into that and then they realize how large, you know, memorabilia is, especially, you know, military memorabilia and they have no focus and they just have stuff, you know, from all over different eras and everything. So I think the, I think people that have a focus and know exactly what they want and can keep that under Mm -hmm. control is probably better. Uh, Unless, like I said, the, if you're someone like a, the private collector that I curated uh, the collection for. Um, I mean, when your funds were essentially limitless, uh, you know, I- I've been fortunate enough to hold stuff that you pretty much wouldn't see outside of a major auction house. Uh, so I've been really, been really lucky as a historian to be able to hold those pieces of history and not just see them behind glass. Man, yeah. we have a, one of the, the reason I have the helmet was uh we have like these, uh, it's like an antiquing place in a few towns over and it's it's just like it's people go in and they buy like a small section of like display and they have like 500 or so stands or something like that i forget what it's at now and uh 
they have for like some of the older stuff or firearms, like old like military weapons or just any sort of weapons and things like that in particular, they keep in glass cases. And it was a little off putting if I'm being honest, but they had a they had a glass case that was just filled with all sorts of like old German war memorabilia. And I was like, who had this collection of this and kept it? <laughs> it's really but, uh, there's some people on there's some YouTube channels actually that uh, there's, yeah. there's a private museum and I, if you want to call it that it's just a guy's warehouse and he does tours of like he has a room for every country involved in World War II like he's like here's the yeah. Romanian room here you know <laughs> not just the major powers yeah. but he has like everyone he's like oh here's Hungary here's the Romania room and it's it's insane to watch this guy's YouTube channel because he has stuff that uh, you know you, you just you don't see anywhere like even in you know major museums you would think like you know city you know funded museums or state funded museums yeah yeah they had a the reason i brought up the display case was they had like uh like uh medic helmet stuff like that they had a uh like a hitler youth knife in there uh, i'm trying to figure I, I don't remember exactly what all else they had they had like medals and things like that uh but i wasn't really familiar with with what all of them were uh but it was it was interesting but like i said like the helmet was like fifteen hundred dollars and to me, I'm like, it's interesting, but I don't want to spend $1,500 on, on a helmet. Like, I, I I don't want a collection that bad. Okay. There's only so far as a talking piece that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I forget what I got the the Russian tank helmet for. It was, it was, it was under $100. It wasn't much at all. But I was like, that's cool. I have a, I have a little bit of history and I have it sitting on like a, uh, like a styrofoam mannequin head back there that I decorated up. So I was like, this is good enough for me for now. But even that, it, it just sits on top of a bookcase. If I'd collected like like firearms or something, I'd have to get like a gun case for um I have to you know, I have to create a whole area to put these in to keep them safe. And it's just I don't have the space for that. I don't want to take up the space for that. Yeah, there's definitely a uh there's definitely a time <laughs> when I, I've looked around, I've taken a hard look and been like, I need to offload stuff. I don't you know, why do I have this? And it's, it's not even on display yeah. for anything. It's just, it's been sitting in a safe. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. For like, for me, especially I, I'm the type of person where I constantly go through like my, my closet here in the office is all the camera equipment and stuff like that. Uh, like I have like a couple of drones that I have in there, like outdoor gear. I'm here. And, uh, I go through there constantly trying to take rid of stuff. And, I don't know what I do. Like if I had all these old firearms, I'd be like, what, why did I do this? I'd be kicking myself. I'd be like, this is a terrible idea. Like, so what I have now is I have a, I have a bookshelf that's like the three shelves and it's just all old cameras, old little box cameras, uh, like super eight film cameras, things like that. And I was like, this is enough. This is where this collection ends. It doesn't need to grow anymore. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I collected for every, like intense nostalgic hobby I had uh, or it, it mm -hmm. you know, it'd be insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, you said kind of circling into gaming, you, you specialized in military tactics. Uh, and it's, yeah, my focus was in basically the evolution of military tactics and technology. So if you think of one war to the next and, uh, basically as technology right. starts to, outrun the minds of the time and then tactics mm, okay. have to adapt to catch up yeah my my, my fall through this uh was 
a lot of like games people play like arma uh i'm trying to think like a modern games like battlefield isn't i wouldn't consider as realistic anymore especially with the most recent game which is a mess but a lot of uh ready or not i don't know if you've played that or heard of that uh no i haven't ready or not is like a swat game it came out oh i do know that. i don't know if it came out in december or january um but i had a ton of fun with that it's in like alpha or beta they're still actively working on it and you can actually go in they let you access the maps that they're currently working on which is kind of interesting because you go in they have like no textures whatsoever but you can kind of get an idea like this is the layout for what's going on and you kind of see like oh this is these are some tactics i could use but that that's a game that focuses on like quote-unquote hyper realism as far as like tactics being used where you have to stack up you know move your way in uh, and clear it room by room essentially as opposed to like large-scale games like battlefield or arma things like that i was, I was just kind of interested in your opinion on how uh real world military tactics translate into uh games like those uh, I have seen videos of that game uh, you're mentioning now after you mentioned. So I have watched some of that and I actually, I do kind of applaud that for, uh, for being quite real from what I've seen. It's actually more about judgment and, uh, and actually like maybe subduing targets versus necessarily just blasting your way through a house. Uh, yeah. But as far as other games and military, I actually really appreciate the squad tactics in Hell Let Loose. I don't know if you've watched oh, okay. videos. Of yeah, that. we, uh, my co-host got really into that. He got, I had played it once, uh, but I was having computer issues with it. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me to be less of, uh, you know, like directional buttons, you know, of, of go here, mm-hmm. do this and, and more of actual communication, uh, you know, through microphone. And from the videos I've seen, not only are a lot of the animations extremely realistic, you know, like death animations and stuff like that, you know, the weapons are modeled beautifully. Um, everything mm-hmm. seems to be quite realistic with that. I don't know about like bullet physics, you know, bullet drop and things along that. I haven't played it, but mm-hmm. uh, but from what I've watched, I've seen a lot of pretty brilliant coordinated or coordination, I guess, between teammates. Uh, and I think that's that's a, something that kind of makes you proud <laughs> as, as far as, yeah. as as far as someone who studied that versus you know something like a you know Battlefield or you know Call of Duty mm-hmm. and people just being able to run wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's in a game that I wouldn't really applaud for realism, but one mission in particular for uh, the most recent like Modern Warfare uh, iteration where it's I forget if it's called like Kill House or something where they you're literally doing a you're you're raiding a, a, a like an apartment building essentially, and uh, that that one was pretty interesting. I remember watching a video of uh, I think it's called I think it's Gameology is the channel, mm-hmm. and they have like a Green Beret and a Navy Seal I think uh reviewing it and it's it's just interesting watching their reactions to them as they like i said it's the uh, special forces going in clearing the the building floor by floor room by room stuff like that's always interesting to me and i, I really enjoyed that mission in particular and that, i think that's why i enjoy ready or not a lot is because it's like very precise very methodical and that's the i don't know that's that i find that super interesting you get your blood pumping because it's like all right no idea what's behind this door but we better be ready for whatever it is. Yeah, I think that I want to say that level was called Lights Out, maybe. The one you were talking right, about. Right. I don't. Yeah, I, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. The whole thing's in night vision, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, that and as you're talking about this game, ready or not, yeah, it's more about 
identifying targets and are they a threat and not just pulling the trigger because you know there are rules of war <laughs> there are real rules of engagement in in the real world and uh so i do i do like that that single level and then i like the uh thought process behind that game ready or not that we're talking about because uh, it's more about identifying targets and securing the house not blasting your way through you know just frag grenades everywhere clean house was the name of the clean house that's right clean house yeah super interesting like i said i just i've always enjoyed that style of game i think that's why i enjoyed a lot of the older tom clancy games because they're a little bit more methodical and required communication for a lot of them whereas like nowadays like the new ones that they keep putting out are like the division um trying to think what else is even coming out uh ghost recon breakpoint i think was the most recent one for that i think that's a new one and yeah it's it's like they kind of try and pass it off as being tactical, but at the same time, it's like, nah, you just, it's not efficient. It's like, you're, you're just kind of forced into positions where you're running and gunning the whole time. Or it's something like, this isn't what I'm looking for. Yeah. It just breaks down into counter-strike again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Even, even with like battlefield, like I enjoyed the communication in battlefield and we'd always do that. We communicate really well, even on like large, like the larger battlefields. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, one person just going to run around, you know, spraying all over the place. And it's like, oh, this is, this has lost all of its, uh, like intensity. Cause this guy's just running around the battlefield, sprinting around back and forth, weaving in and out of bullets. I'm like, this is, this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah. I really got into battlefield one. I really enjoyed that. And then Battlefield 5 came out and I had less enthusiasm for it. And then now Battlefield 2042 is out and it's an absolute nightmare. I played it one day. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I've talked about it on the show before. Where it, I think I mentioned it in the episode we had just recorded, which isn't out yet, where I was like, this might be the worst game I've ever played like at launch. It's like, this is awful. Like I go in and I mentioned like they have hovercrafts flying around all over the place. Uh, it's like it's just dropping in vehicles left and right. And uh, they have like the capture points. One of them on the one map is on top of a skyscraper, which you can't destroy anymore. And then people are dropping in tanks and hovercrafts on the top of the skyscraper. So you can't actually get the control point. I'm like, even realism aside, it's like, this isn't fun to play. You literally, there's no chance of winning this. (laughs) I didn't even understand when they drop you in that game, like the, the tutorial, if you want to call it that, I didn't know if I was playing against other people or AI. Oh, uh, yeah, I I was streaming that uh, at the time when it, the game came out, and I was like, okay, oh, it's cool, it's putting us right in the game. And I'm just sitting there, like, man, these these people are really bad. And I'm watching, like, these definitely aren't people. And I got frustrated because it takes forever. Because I'm just running, I'm like, I'm just trying to take people out, but it's just I'm running around forever. It's so spaced out. There's not enough people to do anything. I'm like, man, this is. This is a pain. And then finally we got into a game and I'm like, oh, this is what the wait was for. This is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I rarely regret dropping like 50 bucks on a game and I'll try to find some kind of silver lining and try to enjoy something. But there's there's just no salvaging that game for me. No, I was so disappointed because I was so excited for it, too. I was hyping it up uh, on and off the podcast both. And I was like, man, I can't wait. It's coming out like in a week coming out in like two days and it came out and I was like ooh, as that is a swing and a big miss right there uh i my favorite battlefield game is either three or four still i, I forget i think three was the one i played more of 
Uh, I loved it because we'd play on a custom server where it was, I forget if they called it team deathmatch, but, uh, or like squad deathmatch, but it was either four or six squads and we'd play on like, uh, bizarre in particular was the one map and, uh, it's just super close quarters and it was first to 500. So it'd literally be like nonstop action for like three and a half hours. <laughs> I don't even know if I have and stamina it, for that. <laughs> it, we'd literally play like one game at night and it was just so intense the whole time. Cause like it's, there's constant fire, but nobody's leaving the areas they're in. So it's like you respawn behind your team and you just run back to where you're at. But nobody's like, there's not a whole lot of flanking going on because it's a shrunken down map. Like you're just playing in a confined area uh, from the larger map. And so it's just you're in these tiny little alleyways in and like these couple of shops and just constant firefight through the one main alley that goes through the middle of the map. And it's just this constant shootout. And you're just trying to like make any little advances you can on the other teams. And you're like you're reviving your teammates. You're throwing ammo down and it's just nonstop. And it just it was so much fun because like I said, it's just it's constant action, but it's so intense because it's like I can't catch a break. I can't get a breath. And I was like, that that was so much fun. And then I played a new game and I'm just like, oh man, it's, it's a hovercraft. It takes like six rockets to blow up. And then by the time I do that, they spawn two more. This isn't what I wanted. <laughs> it also took forever to traverse a map there. Like if someone, if they took a, like a, one of your uh, like points. Yeah. I remember I would turn around and I'd run and I'd run for what felt like a day and get there, shoot two people and then reclaim like the point and then run back to where the fight was, which was, I mean, it literally took forever. Even in a vehicle, it felt, it felt like it took forever. It felt like it, yeah, from what I'd played. But yeah, I know my, my co-host Kyle and I had gotten back into Battlefield Five a little bit, and I actually did enjoy it while we were playing it. Uh, but even there, it's like we'd spawn in, I don't know the names of the maps in, in Battlefield Five, uh, but we're on like top of the one, the, we're on the one map, we're in the snowy mountaintop, and we're just running back and forth between the points. And while there, it does take a little time, even there, I was like, okay, I'm just running from here to here. And, you know, I might get into a, a gunfight along the way, but it doesn't feel like it's taking forever as opposed to 2042, where it's like, I'm just running and running and running. Oh, my teammates captured the point. There's no more enemies here. I wasted my time. Now I'm running in a different direction. <laughs> it just, ah, it's like a, a running simulator combined with a complete lack of like the tornadoes and stuff that they had mentioned. Cause I, the the one whatever the map is called where you're on with the rocket the space shuttle taking off the whole time I was like oh this is gonna be cool like the space shuttle can get blown up and like a tornado comes through none of those things happened when I played it I was super disappointed yeah I was, but I get Battlefield Five confused sometimes with Call of Duty World War Two since they were so close but mm, I remember uh, I remember that Battlefield One was the last one I was really into and then I played yeah. Five for a short period. Yeah, I didn't play five a ton. One I played a little bit, but four was the last one I played a ton of. Uh, three was my favorite, I think. And then even Bad Company 2, I played a lot of that. But I kind of fell out of Battlefield after a while. I think because I preferred playing in an actual squad as opposed to random people. Yeah, that's probably but, my biggest problem as of recently is I, I have less people that I actually get online and play with than I used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that's why I sort of started. That was a very small part of the reason why I stopped playing Call of Duty, aside from those games taking a massive decline as well. I played but, a lot of Vanguard, yes. though, believe it or not. Really, I I played a decent amount. 
Uh, I've played it more than a lot of the previous entries, but yeah, I don't know. I I can't get into it anymore. I, I my my heyday was Modern Warfare Three. I played that. I don't know how many. I played that so much, and uh, we just dominated in that game. And that was right at the start of when they started doing the uh, skill based matchmaking, where it's like I I miss the days when I especially now that my big issue now is you get into a game and it's like oh you might win you might lose but then it pulls you out of the game and you're not rematched against the same people and so i don't like there's no rivalry going on i'm like i'm just uh, i don't know there's nothing there's no progression in it for me at this point i'm just like i don't really there's nothing for me to work towards i feel like and i'm not really i don't i'm not really invested in beating these people because they're just basically nameless people as opposed to back in the day when it's like all right uh these people were we they won now they're smack talking us. It's like, all right, well, we were using, we were just trying to level up these weapons and unlock some camos. Let's use our actual classes, and we go back in, and you know, it's just a back and forth, and you're playing against the same people for hours, and you got a little bit of a rivalry going, and that's just gone. It just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, kind of throws me back to the glory days of like Halo Two, honestly, <laughs> the mm-hmm. clan wars back then. Yeah, we got really into game battles back in the day. That was that was so much fun. But yeah, speaking of Halo, uh, Halo Infinite, you played. Uh, do you play like the multiplayer in that? Did you play the campaign? I I tried out the multiplayer, and I it's not that I didn't like it. I just I had other games that I needed to finish. Uh, I I have a mm-hmm. a huge back catalog that I've been trying to go through, and uh, same. Yeah. I, I really just wanted to go through the campaign, see how it felt, try the open world out, and I I mean I did play the entire thing. I beat it. Uh, the only thing I haven't done is go back and try to get all the skulls. Yeah, I'm. My thing is, I, I've mentioned this. I don't know how many times on the show here too. Is like I do like sector by sector. Essentially, when I play games that like open world in particular, uh, I I I played through Halo Infinite. I think four times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I played through it on easy, whatever the easiest setting. I think it's just called easy because I like just experiencing the story. I did that, and I was, and then I finished it, and I was like, all right, cool. Now I'm gonna go back through on normal uh and do 100 percent, get all the collectibles do everything i did that then i did a legendary playthrough and then i did a lasso playthrough how'd that work out for you (laughs) it was all right it was all right that you can uh when you first get to like outside the ring you you walk out and you take that little command post on top of a hill there with like the crash ship around you you can grapple up to the top of the the ship on top of it and there's an invisible uh, scorpion tank gun you can pick up which fires like like the, the tank cannon uh, but it's invisible it has unlimited ammo and uh, you have to you basically have to use that to to finish it on lasso solo it's kind of fun throwback to like the scarab gun yeah yeah it's the same principle yeah but yeah I, I did that and it was it wasn't terrible it wasn't it wasn't awful there's a couple times where I got frustrated but I was like all right because all, all I did I just did the main missions I didn't do any of like the side stuff for the last run that would have taken me forever yeah but yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad still a hassle it's a lasso playthrough oh yeah those are never fun which go ahead i was just gonna say this it is funny thinking about how i played through this game versus every other halo game this one definitely played so different with the open world mechanic so i definitely mm-hmm. like my normal i guess halo kind of playthrough would be to play through it probably on like a normal setting just because you know, I, it kind of, to me, 
knocks out two birds with one stone. It's like, oh, well, if I'm going to do this and get achievements and stuff, I might as well play it on normal heroic and, you know, get the, yeah. get the easy and the normal already knocked out. And then I'll go back through and I have to get all the skulls. So you're usually playing on legendary. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of how I would divide and conquer. But now with this one, I played through the entire story. And then while I still had the map open, I just fast traveled and did all the collectibles and yeah. plan on going back to get the skulls. But I do like the fact that you don't have to have a legendary to get the skulls in this one. You just can't miss them. Mm-hmm. I think you do have to be on normal to get them. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I, the there were I think there's two skulls you can miss, like the first two missions that you can. Uh, if you don't get them, you can't backtrack to get them. Right. Which, uh, yeah, which is why I mess. I had to do like a second playthrough for the hundred percent completion. So I was like, ah, I missed, I missed the, I think it was like the second school in this, in the second mission. I was like, Ooh, that is the most inconvenient one to get. <laughs> Cause not only can I not just go back and start up a new game and get the first one right away, I have to play through a mission and then get to the second one. <laughs> so, and uh, the fact that they don't have like main mission replayability yet is frustrating. They don't have the co-op, which I'm, I'm really hoping for. Uh, I think they said they're, that might be coming like season one in like may or something whenever that happens um yeah i i dove really into the the multiplayer because i hadn't played halo multiplayer a lot uh since like reach maybe i played a decent amount in master chief collection for like a couple of months um but uh yeah i dove into this one got all the achievements i could because some of them were locked i didn't have the right game modes like you couldn't like the tactical game modes where you can revive teammates that wasn't available at launch i don't know if it is yet or not but uh, I got all the achievements I could, and then the campaign came out. I was like, "All right, let's do this." Dove back in, got every, got everything done with that. But I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was, it definitely, like you said, it's a completely different style of play than the uh, the previous ones. The grappling hook, in particular, really changes how I played. Yeah, the mobility was. I mean, it was amazing. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of enjoyed zipping around everywhere, but mm-hmm. it definitely was a different feeling game altogether. I, I think it. It, the grappling hook alone, not you know, all the other abilities notwithstanding, grappling hook alone opened up so many possibilities for combat. I felt like one because you're zipping around faster, you know, you're you're a lot more mobile. You can zip like right to enemies, but you can pick up and throw things at them, uh, pick up weapons off the ground with it. Like it just, it was super interesting to experience combat with that. When it's like I said, it's completely different from the previous Halo games. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's it's such a it, it reminds me similar to uh, when they added like the grappling hook in uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. You were basically playing the same game as Unity, but then they added that in it, and all of a sudden you're zipping around like the map like twice as fast. That's what it felt like to me. It was like I'm playing Halo, but now oh, I'm yeah. I'm breaking the physics of the game because I'm getting to places I don't feel like I'm supposed to be able to get to. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I really abused it with. <laughs> I, I, I definitely did the same thing because there were points where it's like they have like the map sectioned off. Like there's gaps where like the land has like come apart, you know, and like, can I grapple far enough to get across this gap? Never worked. Yeah. It never worked. They <laughs> they made sure because I, I think if you grapple on like the like the smooth stone pillars that serve as like the foundation for the land, it uh it, it doesn't grapple correctly. Uh, if you're trying to cross like a giant gap and I was like, ah, I guess this isn't going to happen. That being said, you can absolutely get a vehicle and fling yourself across the gaps. 
so uh, that was that was fun I don't think I ever but, tried a vehicle to get me like because I, I definitely tried a lot of times to get across some of those bridges before they were dropped yeah there's a I, I don't know the names of the, the area as well enough but there's there's one section in particular it's like it's like one of the first bridges that opens up where if you you can go up there on I had a ghost and I slammed the ghost like into a tree uh, which was up against like a rock and it flung me way up in the air and I boosted up in the air and then uh, it got me most of the way across and I jumped out and I was able to like grapple to the actual ground on the other side and uh, it was I was like I was probably going to make it anyway but I was doing it to be safe and uh, ended up making it I was like sweet and then I died after a little while over there and accomplished nothing Tra- transported me all the way back <laughs> But, yeah, they also had, they also had when you get to those areas, like you'd probably regret it immediately because of the way the enemies were scaled. Mm. Yeah, well, it's that they have like the uh, like assassination targets, you know, where you're going around to kill like the enemies with like uh, special weapons, which a lot of them I felt like weren't super different, but it was fun, nice little distraction. The hunters were the worst. Uh, hunters are a pain. Yeah, but which well, I can't remember what their names were now. Uh, but the yeah, I don't I have no idea. The, the pair, <laughs> yeah, the pair of hunters that were the assassination target, though. I remember I got over there pretty cocky. I was like, yeah, I'm, I got <laughs> I got rockets. I'll bunch them up. We'll we'll make short work of this. And then I ran out of yeah. ammo, and then I ran out of ammo with whatever my secondary weapon was. And then it was just the chase was on, and I just kept leading them around and around and around. And like I said, without the grappling hook, I'd never would have survived it. But I just had to wear them down. I remember it took me like at least a half hour just running in circles and picking up whatever like half loaded <laughs> weapons were on the ground and just picking away yeah. at him. Yeah. I was trying to, uh, I don't know which one is which here, but, uh, yeah, some hunters in particular soak up bullets. It's a, it's a real pain in the ass sometimes. Uh, I know on the, the lasso playthrough, there's a couple points where you're going from uh, tower to tower to activate uh, because you have to activate the different towers in order to access the door that leads into uh, one of the main uh, I don't even remember what it was called like one of the main towers uh, where I guess Cortana was sacrificed or whatever and uh, there's a pair of hunters that guards one of those and it was a nightmare because I'm just like all right I've got the the scorpion gun but these at a certain distance it doesn't actually hit them so i'm like ah oh, crap so i have to get close enough in and then i hit them and then they come running at me i'm like this is this is a pain <laughs> it's like did you try to like uh like cheese them through the doors like you know because once you enter the room the door shut behind you did you try to like shoot from the from the hallway well you can't because the it doesn't it does a thing where it doesn't let you access the door until you clear the area of enemies so i'm just stuck sitting like out in the open like because you can't access the tower until you, you take them out. So I'm just like, all right, I would I would go up. They have like that sort of U-shaped like ramp uh, on on the towers. So I'd go up there, open fire, and then keep circling around there. And I just play and like ring around the rosy with them, essentially. Yeah, that one room that I think you're talking about uh, towards the end of the game where you're stuck with those two. Uh, Pretty was, far through. Yeah, that was that was a rough rough room. That was. Probably worse than doing the assassination targets because you didn't have the room to just run away and try again. Yeah. Yeah. Some of there are a couple sections like that where it was a real pain. Yeah. What the um the swordmaster like that special elite you have to kill as part of the main story. 
that was a pain because I kept getting killed by a, a like a explosive damage because mm-hmm. I'd be shooting and there's like explosive barrels and stuff throughout that area. I keep blowing myself up. That was a, a real pain. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me with uh, what's the it's the second main brute of the game. It's like your first real boss fight once you get out in the open. Uh, I'm so bad with names. I, know I, know I can't remember you're talking about that. either. Uh, but he yeah. obviously you have the opening and then you get out in the open. And it's like, once you start in the open world, you have the first real boss fight. It's, it's some brute. And he, you're kind of in a hallway that curves around. And uh, you're like there to, mm-hmm. you're there to take down some force field. But that boss fight, I remember the first time I faced him, like I was like absolutely just tearing him apart. Uh, I had everything under control. And then something happened. I don't remember. I think a gravity hammer hit like hit one of the one of the little plasma containers and it shot at my direction, blew me up, killed me. And then it like I was so close to killing him. And then the next like seven tries, it took me forever. Like he was just killing me right at the beginning. I was so mad I almost quit like for the night because I was just like I had him like two shots away from killing him before that happened. And that's just that's how quickly one of those fights can change. (laughs) Yeah, some of them are are just a a pain. Like it's just I feel I like the open world. But then at certain times it be- makes it more difficult because like I'm in I'm fighting uh what is it? it's like a scrap cannon I think is what the one weapon is called there's a a target with a scrap cannon it's a brute with a scrap cannon and I'm fighting him and then out of nowhere I'm getting like sniped by a random jackal on the hill with a sniper rifle it's like ah oh, jeez yeah every, everyone felt a little more lethal in this game for some reason the snipers yeah. were definitely like two shots and you're dead. Uh, I mean, which in any Halo, I guess at certain difficulties will be that, but makes sense, yeah. But uh, between them, the hunters felt way more ruthless. You could not get behind a hunter to save your life in these in this game, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, everyone just felt more. Maybe the brutes being the only ones I actually felt weren't as bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's the the uh, a lot of like the grunts. I like their dialogue in it, though. They were kind of entertaining. Like even early on, they're like, "Ah, oh, let's kill him," and like you kill like one of them, and the other one's like, "Oh, get out of here! He's gonna kill us all!" It's like run away in terror. Yeah, that, that there, I found that pretty entertaining. Yeah, but I will say the the whole the whole game actually felt like an actual occupation. Like going back to the whole like military yeah. thing for a second, I actually did like how it was set up. They uh, like the patrols that are walking around the different foundries, like the the areas they had taken over and set up, like actual support bases, not just like outposts, but like actual, like a foundry to build weapons. And then, uh, I forget what one of them was. One of them was like a mine and things like that. So I I did, I did feel like it, like it actually had that, you know, reminiscence of like, Oh, this feels like a real occupation. Like this is what, you know, kind of an army would do when it comes in and is setting up shop. It was, it was interesting and fun that way. I also like that they, um, I don't know. It felt more like an, one of the old school Halo games as opposed to like some of the newer ones. It felt like Halo 1 almost where it's like, yeah, we're on a ring world. just kind of open. We're out and about. Uh, the I think it was just called Halo. It was like the second mission in the original Halo Combat Evolved game where you crash land on the ring and you have to go and rescue like the three squads of, of Marines that uh, get like crash land in their life pods. And it's like semi open world. It's fairly linear, but there's like three different areas you drive around in on the Warthog. And uh, it kind of felt like that to an extent. And I was like, this is cool. I like the the tone of this one quite a bit. Yeah, it filled you with that sense of wonder. That's why that first, uh, mm-hmm. that level you're talking about Halo in the first uh, Halo CE, 
yeah. it was the first time, you know, after the Pillar of Autumn, obviously you get on the ring world and you're able to look up mm-hmm. and see it in the sky. And it's like, it gave you that sense yeah. of awe and wonder. And yeah, definitely. It's very grand. Yeah, very. It's definitely nothing I'd seen in a game. I mean, this was 2001. I'd never seen anything like that probably in a video game <laughs> before. And uh, that's that's definitely how Halo Infinite kind of recaptured that that sense of, mm-hmm. of, of scale of how big this, you know, ring world is. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how they go, uh, how they move forward with it. Cause they're treating it like a live service game where they're going to keep adding in more campaign apparently. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Cause I know the, uh, the banished, which is like the faction you're fighting against, like a lot of their, well, not a lot, but there, there's a number of like the enemy types that weren't in the main story yet. They have like specialty scarabs and, and different types of, uh, I forget what the other vehicles are. Uh, but they, they, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see them implement that as well as a lot of the characters from the previous Halo games that just don't appear in Infinite yet. They just don't like uh, Lasky is like one of the main ones. Uh, the Spartans from uh, uh, Halo 5, like that team. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they uh, implement them going forward. Yeah, and that was questions I didn't really ask myself when I was playing it because I didn't. They announced it so long ago that I didn't really do any yeah. research before release. I just kind of was like, well, I know I'm going to play it. So I, I didn't really look into it too much. I was just like, well, I'm going to play this anyway. So as soon as it came out, uh, I, I just kind of went through the campaign. And I didn't really uh, I didn't really think too much. Because honestly, after four and five, yeah. I kind of lost sight of of everything. You know, I kind of stopped caring about what Cortana was doing and all that kind of stuff. I kind of was just like... You know, uh, I'm I'm in it for the gameplay, and I'm just enjoying it for what it is. I I kind of didn't, you know, my Halo lore dropped off. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I had I had pretty recently just played back through all of the previous Halo games with my girlfriend, and so I, you know, like I we just played through four and five, and then this one comes out, and I'm like, what is going on? Like even right at the beginning, I'm like, we're just like the literally it's the opening scene of the game where it's like. Master Chief is fighting and he gets like kicked off into space. I'm like, what is happening? Like, wasn't Cortana like a huge threat? Like, what's what's going on here? And then a lot of it you just piece together through audio logs, and people are basically like, Oh, do you remember when this happened? And it's like, this is how you're explaining what happened? Like, you're not we're just gonna gloss over Cort like Cortana's a huge threat. And then in between games, she's gone from being a huge threat to not even around anymore. Like I was, it was kind of weird how they handled that. I thought, but like you said, like it, I enjoyed the game. I, I don't think it took away from it too much, but it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, oh, they, it just all that happened off screen. Interesting, right? Yeah, you kind of only get it pieced together by the villains, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was like weird because they like they show you through like uh, hollow tapes. Uh, and a lot of it, a lot of it, you don't realize what happens until like late in the game. Basically, I'm like, huh, interesting. So we don't find out how this game starts until the end of the game. Interesting, but whatever. It was fun, enjoyed it. Uh, another new game that that came out was Dying Light Two. Have you played that yet? I did. I started it this weekend, so I'm not extremely far into it. I haven't got to a point where I'm kind of able to just run off on my own uh mm-hmm. still kind of being ha- uh, held by the hand at this point i guess by side characters um yeah but i've gotten far enough into it to get a feel for how how it's going to be and 
Uh, I I have had a glitch already. So there's a, there's a running joke with uh, my friends that if I had a superpower, my, my X-Men name would be Softlock because I can somehow glitch out any video game that I play. And um, I've already done that to Dying Light, so I had to restart it. Um, I somehow nice. messed up the audio at the very beginning of this game. I don't know if you've had any audio problems yet with it. but uh, in- I didn't. My co-host did, though. Huh, so good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so- we had it happen in uh, when you're like in the sewers with your like informant. I, I had it in literally in the first 10 minutes of the game. Interesting. I okay. don't know what it was. It's walk up to someone, hit X to talk, and then all of a sudden, um, the 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 subtitles are just flying by at lightning speed. There is no sound. It only stops when it's time for me to make a a, a dialogue choice, and then he wouldn't say the line, and then it would just go right back to. I don't know what happened, but that's my only glitch so far. But um, but my thoughts on the game it. And I can't remember because I didn't look into this. It's the same studio that did Dead Island. Did they do uh, this game as well? Did they do Dying Light? I don't know, actually. I It feels very much like Mirror's Edge meets Dead Island. Hmm. All of the controls and like the the collection system and everything with the with the scraps and uh, and like the weapons, even yeah, and the they durability. Did make Dead Island. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All that was Dead Island all over. I was like, this has to. And I think they I mean, even make um. They make a joke in the very beginning of the game. If you're exploring the house and during the tutorial, uh, the record player, the record that's on the record player is um, Who Do Your Voodoo? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the opening track from the first Dead Island game for one of the Sandy. Oh, okay. One of the characters is a rapper and that's his like one hit wonder. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. So I was pretty sure that they definitely were the studio that did this game because it felt too much like it. But uh, it also oh, like said the, the, the parkour the running in this is a lot more free, a lot, a lot faster than dead Island. So I did appreciate mm-hmm. that. It kind of like it has a mirror's edge feel almost to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you might even be further in the, the main story than I am. I, we played it a little bit on Saturday, like three hours. But I, again, I do like a lot of like the collecting and exploring stuff where it's just me running around, seeing what's going on as opposed to just progressing through the game. And then we played maybe an hour or two last night and yeah, it's just me trying to like open up some safe houses and upgrade my guy a little bit. But I don't know. I I enjoyed it. My my co-host Kyle and I both agreed. We feel like it's it. Ha- did you play the first one by chance? I did not. Okay, we feel like this one is a bit darker in tone. Like it has more of a horror aspect to it so far, at least from what we've played. Like the first one had the same sort of thing where you know, especially at nighttime, it's like oh, you got to get inside or get to a safe area these you know the volatiles will come and get you and it was like okay and we'd run away and be like oh yeah here they come but it was never like intense i guess this one you're inside like buildings and and scouting areas out and it's like dark you're having to creep through uh you hear like creaking of like boards and stuff like that and it's i don't know it just feels menacing almost it was i don't know we've had a good time with it i'm gonna play a lot more of it but i don't know it's it's been enjoyable yeah, there's definitely been a couple of jump scares in it. And I don't jump easy at all. Like, I don't know what it is about yeah. me. I don't really have an external jump reflex. Like, in, yeah. in my mind, I'll say, whoa, that got me. But you won't see me actually, like, physically jump. And uh, yeah. so it takes a lot for something to really take me off guard. And there's actually been, early on, I, I don't think I was expecting there to be too much of a, like, horror element. You know, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it's like, a, you know, zombie-esque creatures, but... But uh, yeah. I can't remember. It was early on. Something something happened, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." 
I better, I better start paying attention to what's around corners. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd call it a horror game yet. Like you said, like you said, it is zombies, but it definitely has a darker feel than the previous one. I don't know if you, do you play like horror games at all? I do. Actually, I love horror games. Oh, okay. Do you like, do you ever play dead space? That yeah. Series? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, those games, those games are so much fun. The third, I was sad when the third one wasn't up to like what I was hoping it would be, but they're still good. They're remaking it or rebooting it rather. I don't know what they're, how they're going to take care of it and handle it moving it forward. But I was really excited when they, they announced that they were rebooting it. So I'm excited for that. Um, alien crap. What is the alien game called? Isolation. Alien Isolation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that game in particular was a ton of fun. It's a fantastic game. That is, I've played through yeah. that three times, I believe. <laughs> we had a, we had a spree where my girlfriend and I were playing uh, horror games and uh, we'd take turns like I'd just pass the controller back and forth, whatever, playing like Dead Space or or Alien Isolation. Those were those were a ton of fun. We did uh, the uh, the Dark Pictures anthology. I don't know if you played those. I haven't played the third one. I've played um, was it Man of Medan and uh, mm-hmm. was it uh, No Hope or Little Hope? Animated No Hope, yeah. And then uh, House of Ashes is the third one. Yeah, that- and they also have the. Uh, it's like they're the, that series is like the spiritual successor to Until Dawn, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a PlayStation exclusive. It is, and uh, same okay. that Quantum Quantic Dream, I believe, is the studio that does that. It's the same people that did, uh, yes, yeah, same people that did, uh, like Detroit Become Human, games like that. Okay, yeah, and I think yeah, we did. did Heavy Rain as well, I believe. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, the only ones we haven't played is uh, No Hope. Um, but yeah, we enjoyed those. I don't know that I'd call them as scary. Obviously, they're horror games, but we're never really spooked by a lot of them. But they were fun. I enjoyed those as well. Those uh, those were easier for her to get into because she's not much of a gamer. Uh, but it's, it, a lot of it is just like, all right, you're wandering around point and clicking. And then every once in a while, you have to do like a, a quick time event. And it's like, okay, it's not like super intensive uh, gaming as opposed to like some games where she's like having to move around and look around with like the thumbsticks and everything like that, which she struggled with, but I don't know. They're, they're fun little games. I enjoyed those. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know any other horror games we've played off the top of my head. I know we had something else in there, but the resident evil remakes, the two and three remakes are extremely well done. Mm-hmm. That is true. We did a uh, resident evil seven. We played through mm-hmm. seven uh, and eight is, is good as well. I have eight. I've not played it yet. I, I bought it when it came out and I just hadn't gone around to playing it. I had so much other stuff going on. That always ends up happening. It's it seems like and this came I out have so many games I need to play. <laughs> seems like November. It's always that month for some reason where mm-hmm. just you have all these huge titles come out in a like a small window and you've just got to yeah. fly through them. I had that happen actually with the Resident Evil 2 remake. It came out I want to mm-hmm. say not long before red dead two or right after red, I think it came out right before red dead two. And, uh, I mean that came out, gosh, that came out in a window where that would have won game of the year, honestly, in my opinion, had it not come out the same year as red dead two. And I think there's something else. There's another huge title that came out at the same time. And I was like, that's so unfortunate because the resident evil two remake actually really surprised me at how good it was. Yeah. Well, it's like uh saints row the third, I think, is year three or four came out like a week or two before Grand Theft Auto Five. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that was such poor timing. <laughs> yeah, some of those games yeah. like that. Uh, it's like, yeah, that's 
you're cursed at that point because <laughs> yeah i was like even looking back like saints are the third great game loved it uh saints are of four also great game like they're a lot but it's like and i, I enjoy grand theft auto 5 don't get me wrong but i was like man just just from a pure sales standpoint it's like i can't imagine releasing a game that's like similar to grand theft auto a week before it comes out and then being like oh crap this monolithic game is coming out right after us hopefully it's one of their worst titles and it's not it's absolutely like the best one uh, as far as like sales go it is oh man unfortunate for them well there was an entire entire decade in the 90s where movies would do that and i always found that hilarious and i kind of had i joked around the idea of doing this on my podcast where i did a uh a one versus one comparison on on movies that came out at the same time that were based on the same mm-hmm. theme. So, like for instance, you had Armageddon come out the same year as Deep Impact. Mm, yeah, yeah. You also had Dante's Peak come out the same year as Volcano. <laughs> and so you saw this theme all through the '90s where movies, their release dates were almost competing. I guess the studios were like, "No, my Volcano movie is better than this Volcano movie. Go see it." <laughs> Well, it's like the uh, in around like 2012, all those end of the world movies came out at the same time. Well, I mean, obviously, because of the, the, the Mayan prophecy there, yeah. everyone was trying to beat it just in case it was true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe one of us has got to be right, surely. And it's like, yeah. no, thank, thankfully, none of you were right. If you keep predicting, you'll eventually be right. Remember that. <laughs> sure. Next year, we meant to say, ne- actually, we meant the following year. Our bad. We're just, we're really bad at reading. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't know. Parallel thinking, but also I guess popular, like uh, not really conspiracy, but like theory, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Five, twenty thirteen. Game's gonna be ten years old next year, and they're still putting it out on new consoles. But they claim that they are in development of Grand Theft Auto Six now. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I mean, you know what? I'd rather them take their time and make a good game than push out crap year after year and that's true and and i was i was actually mentioning this the other day uh to my wife actually about how bethesda gave us the teaser for elder scrolls 6 like four years ago now or something yeah it was a while ago and they're like yeah we're not really working on it too much yeah and and so many people like just from that small clip like you saw mm-hmm. how many people went on these all these deep dives like where they were showing on maps of tamriel they're like this is why we believe it's going to take place in red guard because this little peninsula here only exists in this part of the map. And it's like, <laughs> it was a 13 second clip guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is like test footage. Essentially. This is, I don't know that I take this as like absolute factual evidence of where it's going to be. Yeah. We've seen nothing since then. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Oh, we just wanted to show some land and water as a nice looking background for the, the title card. And that wasn't even, I don't even think at that point, it was like, that's all computer generated. I don't even think they had next gen hardware to like put that on yet. Probably <laughs> not. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love when people do that. That It's a, uh, I love when people do that though, where they take like a small bit of not even evidence, just a small bit of information and run with it as though all of their theories are fact. Yeah. Uh, it happened recently here with uh, like, I work in advertising. One of my clients uh, did like an interview with, uh, with somebody and said, yeah, we're looking to like, we're, we're looking to sell the business. It's, we're going to stay open, but we're looking to sell the business like uh, the owners are going to retire. And now, like, I talked to them today 
And they're like, yeah, everyone thinks we're closing the business up soon. It's like, that's not what's happening. But again, like even my, my girlfriend's mom uh, called us up and she's like, yeah, they're closing down because they're retiring. And I'm like, you just, you took a bit of wrong information and just ran with it. And uh, like like I said, they, they seem to do that with, with games a lot too. Like the Elder Scrolls are like, oh, this is where it's going to be. This is how this is going to work. Uh, they do that with like Call of Duty a lot. Like they'll release like teaser trailers for the game. They're like, all right, this is, this is probably the era in which it's going to take place. These are probably some of the locations it'll it'll happen. Like the missions will be set in. Uh, it's like, how are you getting this from the font that they're using for the the title of the game? <laughs> I, I guarantee you, they'd never guess that because one of my absolute best friends in the world uh, worked for mm-hmm. Infinity Ward in social media marketing, and she never squeaked. Right. She never said a word about any <laughs> about yeah. any new games. So they keep yeah, those, it, they keep those secrets locked up tight. Like I I forget what it was uh the play the PlayStation Five before it was actually like announced I forget what like the code name that they had for it or whatever, and uh, this is a bad example actually now that I think about it but like stuff like that where it's like code names for games where it's like ah this leads me to believe that it's gonna be a World War Two shooter and it's like actually it's a modern warfare game <laughs> it's like whatever yeah you're completely wrong you'll just you'll pretend like you never said anything but whatever. I don't know. I wait to. I just wait to see uh, when games come out, and then I base my judgment on them when I play them, as opposed to making wild, bold assumptions on very little information. Yeah, and I'm in an age now where I I used to get my hopes up so much when I'd see you know I'd I'd you know you like Cyberpunk for me, and I could mm-hmm. I still I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Cyberpunk. I actually enjoyed it, but okay. that's the last game I got really pumped for where. As soon as they announced it, I was like, oh, no, why did they announce this? Because now I've got to wait like two years before I'm going to see it. And <laughs> I, it may have been longer than that, actually. I think it was it actually was close to five years because they I remember it being a long wait. Yeah, yeah they announced it not long after Witcher 3. And mm-hmm. uh, that was in 2015. So like it was a long wait for that game. And that was one that I was really, really hyped about. And uh, it just kind of came and went. I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah. I still have to play that too. I, I got that when it came out and then uh, it had all the issues and I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to wait for them to fix everything and then I'll play it as it's meant to be played and I'll enjoy it as like a nice finished game. I don't want to go into it. I mean, it might be good to go now, but I'm caught up with other stuff. But once I hear like, hey, it's 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 been fixed. It's perfect now. I'm going to be like, cool, diving into it. But I'm also caught up in The Witcher 3 at the same time. So I'm like, I've got so much content to sift through. <laughs> I looked at my, I looked at my like time spent in games. Uh, I can't, I don't even know what brought this up. I was in a conversation with someone and they're like, what game do you think you spent the most time in? And I was like, oh, it's probably yeah. in the master chief collection. It's gotta be. And I looked at it and it was mm-hmm. like two days and however many hours total time. And I was like, yeah, it's gotta be. And then I was like scrolling through, I got to the Witcher three and I've spent eight days playing the Witcher three and I have no clue <laughs> I mean, it has a lot of content, but I don't even remember. I mean, by far, that is the most hours I've put into any game. And I've played, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. I've put a lot of hours mm. in Final Fantasy, but I'm also very impatient. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go back and do a lot of stuff. If I finish a game and I enjoy the story, sometimes I don't really need to go back and get extra, you know, oh, this, you know, Esper, or this summon or something, you know, I don't need yeah. to go back and get that. But with The Witcher, uh, man, that, that entire game just, it consumed me. 
yeah i have to back out of games sometimes uh, especially like that like open world like my two most played games are very different it's either uh oblivion the Elder scrolls oblivion which i've played through that like i've hundred percented that game multiple times where I go and do every little thing. I just, for whatever reason, I really love that game. It's like between the dialogue and the gameplay. I don't know why that one in particular, but absolutely love that game. Might be one. It's it's absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I could not tell you how much time I have in that. I can give you a rough, rough estimate of my other most played game, which is Modern Warfare 3. And I have like 50 some days in that game. Jeez. It's like 53 days of game time on uh, on Xbox. And I have like a handful of days of, of game time on PlayStation. We we would literally play that. I was in high school at the time that came out. And uh, when it came out, it comes out in like November, obviously. And so every day I'd, we'd get home from school and I'd play for a handful of hours or whatever. We did that from what, November till June. And then, you know, summer comes and I'm playing it all day, every day and that I'm home. And it, it was, we went just nuts in that game reached max level max prestige even after they expanded the prestiges we did everything we would we would really sit there and be like ah oh, man uh we got a 50 win streak can we beat that oh sweet we got a 70 win streak can we beat that and i think i think my win streak i think i got up to like 97 win win streak at one point and i was like so disappointed I'm like didn't get 100 are you kidding me and then we, we were never able to get uh up to 100 wins uh in a streak but we played that game so much. We did it like that's the only game in Call of Duty that I did every single challenge. I did everything you could possibly do in that game. And I just played it like crazy because I was like I said, that was my heyday when we were doing like game battles and I had a consistent roster of people we played with and we'd just go in and, and pub stomp and it would be so much fun. Like I said earlier, is you go in and you match up against people and you just you trash talk each other. And just play against the same team for hours on end. It was so much fun. Yeah, that's a lot of dedication considering you you're dependent on the performances of other people, not just your teammate, but also the opponents. Yeah. That was that was the game I was best at as well, like out of the Call of Duty games. I was actually pretty darn good at that game. I was at peak that was my peak Call of Duty time. Uh I did really well like individually, not only because I had good teammates that I played with, so we played really well as a team. But for whatever reason, that game in particular, I was just I was actually pretty good at. Like I, ha- I had like a three point two KD or something. Uh, our win loss ratio was like nineteen or something. It was crazy. Uh, it was I don't know for whatever reason that game in particular we did really well at, and I that I did really well at as well. So I remember that game really fondly, even though it definitely had its problems. Yeah, that's for me. That would the equivalent of that would be Halo Two. That's really. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, not only is it one of the first like online like shooter games mm-hmm. that got really popular, but it's I, I don't know I got really sucked into that. That was two thousand four. Like, yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, I didn't even have an Xbox at first. I got an Xbox because like I'd always been a PlayStation person, and then hmm. I had friends that had an Xbox and they wanted to play Halo. One time I was over at their house, and I just got like my you know ass stomped, and <laughs> and I was like. You know, this controller's weird, this whole system's weird, but this game is really cool. So I've got to yeah. I've got to figure it out. So I just uh I went out, bought an Xbox, got a you know, got an Xbox Live account and that was that's yeah, that's the rest is history. I got really, yeah. really sucked into that game. 
I was sort of the same way. I, I was always a PlayStation. I had gotten a PlayStation 1 from my dad for my birthday when I was little. And uh, I played a bunch of, like, it was all single-player games, obviously. And then I had played Halo at a friend's house. And they're like, you got to get it. You got to play it. And I was like, all right. Eventually, I was able to go out. I got an Xbox 360. And I got into it at Halo 3. I don't remember the time frame because I know I I have Halo on the original Halo uh, Combat Evolved on PC, which I don't know if that came out before Halo 3. I'm, I'm assuming it did on PC, but I don't remember which order in which I played them. Um, but I got really into Halo 3, the campaign in particular, and I never really got super into the multiplayer. I, I played a little bit. I was not good at it. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I just got super into the campaign. But then uh, Reach came out, and I got really into into Halo Reach multiplayer. I think because I like the ranking system better, like the level up system, a little bit more. Yeah, I played Halo pretty much through Reach multiplayer, and then I don't really remember playing four that much. Um, I mm. think that's kind of when it dropped off for me. Yeah, I don't think I played that much either. I definitely, I, I, I it's kind of weird because when I look at the timeline so 2007 would have been modern warfare and i think halo 3 yeah. came out the same year i, I did not have was halo 3 2006 it it was a launch title for the 360 so it may have been 06 and no it was, it was 2007 you were right okay so all right so yeah it was it was definitely a, actually i take that back it wasn't a launch title for the 360 it came out probably sometime through that year because I bought a copy of Halo 3 before I had a 360. <laughs> and I I bought it with the intention of playing it on my girlfriend's brother's 360 at the time. <laughs> and then I eventually got my own 360. I bought it from brought one from a friend. But um I did have a PS3 and Modern Warfare had come out. So that's when I kind of switched over and got away from Halo a little bit just because of the hardware I was using. And got really into Modern Warfare 1 and 2. And then went back to Halo once I got a 360. It's always been that that battle for me of, you know, there's there's always Sony exclusives. And there's always Microsoft exclusives mm-hmm. that I'm going to want. So I have to get both systems. Yeah, that's where we're at. We have everything now. We have, I have the Series X in here. I have the PS5 out in the living room. And then uh, I, have, I have a PC, which isn't, it's not a super good gaming PC. But it works for what it is. We have the Switch. Yeah, that we we play occasionally. Yeah, we. I got dragged into getting all of them because I was like, ah, there's games over there that I want to play, but I play a lot of games over here. But then there's that on the on Nintendo, they're kind of doing their own thing. It's like I got pulled in every direction. Yeah, between me and my wife, I'm so now some of them are cross platform, but like I was a huge, huge Metal Gear fan, so I always had Sony because I was always going to play Metal Gear. Uh, mm-hmm. and then Halo, obviously for Xbox for a long time. And then for switch, obviously because Nintendo exclusives, Zelda, I don't really play Mario anymore. Um, I like newer Zelda games, but my wife is obsessive with Zelda. Actually, my dog's name is Zelda. So all my dogs have, <laughs> have nerd names. So my Husky is named <laughs> Zelda and, uh, and <laughs> so, um, and, and my wife has like Zelda tattoos and everything. She's obsessive. So, uh, right. we have to have the switch obviously. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I've, I've all, I just have so many games. It's, it's way too many. A lot of them I get for free from like from friends. Uh, they'll, they'll get like, a, oh hey, I got, a, I got this game as part of a downloadable code. So here you go. And it's like, okay, 
like games I'm never going to play, but I just have them saved. Like on Xbox alone, I probably have three or 400 games that I own that I have not played. And it's just like, what am I doing with all these? I do that with Games Pass too, because a lot of a lot of time after work, I just want to come home. And sometimes I don't really want to play something serious, like like a Dying Light or something like that, unless it's something, mm-hmm. unless it's something I'm really grinding through and like have gotten yeah. obsessed over. But sometimes I just want to come home and play like some kind of match three game or a Tetris or something. And there's all mm-hmm. these puzzle games like Glass Masquerade and stuff that are these like soothing Zen like puzzle games that are on Games Pass. <laughs> and I'll just like stock up and I'll have like. I'll just start downloading all these games and then I'll come home one day and just look through my library and can't figure out what I want to play. And I'll see one of those and I'll just be like, Oh yeah, let's do some chamomile tea and, and, and whatever this weird clown puzzle is. <laughs> I do the the same thing, but like I, I, I haven't been as into it in recent years. I go in phases for like a achievement hunting and that's like my go-to for uh, like what, like you were saying, like easy, relaxing puzzle mm-hmm. games or whatever getting home. It's like, I get home. It's like, all right, what are some easy thousand gamer score games I can play? It's like this one's like a, what's it called like Butterfly 2D or something like I, like stupid things like that. There, it's a lot of them are made by a company called Rattalika Games, and uh, they're stupid like three two between two and four dollars, and it's like I just have a ton of those like hundreds of games that are like that. Not all made by the same studio, but a lot of them are, and it's like all right, I hop into this. And it's like a tiny little puzzle platformer where you have to collect all of like this, the flowers on screen and then you uh, complete that level and there's like 30 levels and it takes me like 25, 30 minutes to beat the entire game and get all the achievements. And I'm like, cool. This is a nice, easy, quick little game. I can sit down, play. I'm done with it. And then it's like I don't have any like attachment to it. I don't feel like the need to revisit it. Mm-hmm. It's just super easy to jump in and then move on. And that's like, that's... That's an easy way to decompress, I guess. There's one they just added to Games Pass called Dynabomb. 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 It's kind of a um, so it's like it's like a I can't call it a platformer. It's a jetpack where basically you have, you know, vertical movement up and down, and then obviously you're moving left and oh, right, okay, and you're just collecting gems and getting key. Like Mega Man. It does kind of look like Mega Man, but you have this little rocket pack and you're just avoiding enemies. You can kill them. You can shoot them if you want, but another easy thousand gamer score, relaxing game where it was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to collect gems. If you, if you shoot enemies, you get achievements. If you don't shoot enemies, you get achievements. (laughs) It's it's like one of those kind of games. If you die, you're going to get an achievement. (laughs) Yeah. Some of them are stupid easy where it's like, I hop into it and it's like five minutes in. I'm like, I've already gotten all the achievements. The achievements are related to, completing like a certain level and like each achievement's worth like 100 gamer score so it's like 10 total mm-hmm. and it's like oh five of these are tied to completing levels and like four of them are tied to just kill one of each type of enemy and there's each of those types of enemies is in each of the first five levels and then the last achievement is like uh like customize like change your character's appearance or whatever something stupid easy and it's like all right well the game's not that great i'm gonna go ahead and move on now <laughs> <laughs> I'll also do that but, with yeah. uh, with afternoons. I used to I used to work separate schedule for my wife, and I would be off on like uh, certain weekdays, and so I just had a house to myself, and um, yeah. and I would always get into games like uh, like Gone Home or uh, uh, what? Okay, yeah, I know you're talking. Uh, yeah, or what yeah. became of Edith uh, Finch? Games like that, where they're mm-hmm. the first person kind of puzzle story games. 
yeah it's not really com- overly complicated it's just a matter of like well exploring a little bit and right right those were always yeah. fun to achievement hunt in those games mm-hmm. yeah i played both of those as well yeah i think we played uh gone home together uh, my girlfriend and i she was just kind of hanging out watching the speed but, run yeah, is so not- fun to do in that game <laughs> well you know exactly like like oh you open up the like book I think what is it next to the stairs? Yeah, there's like a key to the, behind the stairs or something. I forget exactly. It's been a while, duck, but... you grab the duck or whatever, and the key. Yeah, <laughs> you just you just sprint, and it's like, like you walk in the door. It's like ah, nice relaxing story, and then like in actuality, some guy bursting through the door, grabbing the key. I'm on my way upstairs. I'm opening up this door, <laughs> getting in here. I'm racing out. Yeah, you don't have time to hit the lights. You just gotta hope you don't hit a corner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like, uh, what, what? I forget what we played recently that was like that, where it's like I knew exactly where everything was. I just raced through as quickly as I could do it. I don't remember though. But I do stuff like that in uh, like Dark Souls 3. Like, one, I know one fairly well. Two was my least favorite out of the three, although I still liked it. But Dark Souls 3, I knew super well and I played it a ton and I streamed it. And it was, it was like, all right, uh, you know what? I, I have five hours. Let's play through this entire game real quick. I'd go through, beat every boss, every side boss. It's like I just rolling through the dark. It's like, all right, I know how to do this. I can like semi speed run this. <laughs> yeah, I just I did a similar thing. I was streaming. This is a while back and uh, I was playing the Castlevania collection because they had like the 30th okay, anniversary okay. and uh, the first the Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest, which is an old game and a lot of people, you know, it's obviously been all over the internet for people joking about it's kind of its difficulty and it lost a lot in translation mm-hmm. and stuff. And it was a good attempt actually for the time to be this kind of open world, like find the clues, RPG elements to it. And uh, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that you can just start running left at the very beginning of that game and you'll eventually get to the end of the game. <laughs> and so when I was streaming, I just, I'm, I'm by no means a speed runner and, uh, but I'm yeah. definitely competent at a lot of retro games. I grew up with a lot of mm-hmm. them. So I was like, I was like, well, I'm just going to stream this. And I kind of built it up by saying, yeah, I'm going to speed run this game. And like, you know, I beat it. I I forget how long the actual route takes, but you don't have to pick up anything. Really. You don't have to really like, you don't have to do anything of any kind of complicated nature at all. You just run left. Don't die. Eventually you'll pick up a sub weapon. You'll get to the last boss and beat him. (laughs) And like, it's that easy. I like when games do that. Yeah, they did that in uh, a number of the Far Cry games. I think they've done it in most of the recent ones. Oh, all of them. Where it's just like, yeah, I, I forget like in the earlier. I know you can do it in three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I've played two, but I don't remember the that or the first one. Yeah, I don't think uh, there's one in two. There is three, four, five, and six has one yeah. as well. Oh, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. I keep forgetting how many there are now. Yeah, it. I know. Like in in the most recent one, you get to like you complete the like tutorial area. And you land on the island, and you can just hop on the boat and and ride off into the sunset, yep. and that's it. Just head to Miami and look uh, to the radio. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember what happens in five. I don't remember. In five, you you don't arrest um, Joseph. When okay. They, when they tell you, you to go arrest to like him. the church or whatever. Yeah, you don't arrest him. You just walk away and let him stay. And so, therefore, they never uh, they, the the his people don't get violent and all that kind of stuff. So like the cult doesn't turn on you. Yeah, if, if you if he tells you, you know, okay. walk away and you just walk away and don't arrest him, that's the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't I couldn't remember in that one. Yeah, they uh there's that one, what was it four? 
you sit down at the table and just kind of hang out and wait for him. Sure. He comes back and you get in the helicopter with him and fly off. Yeah, he tells you to stay as long as you just sit there and stay. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think about three now too. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've played three. I don't even remember a lot of the plot points in that one. Now three, I am trying to remember. There is, maybe there's not a quick out to that one. I'm trying to remember. I, I really don't. It's been so long since I've played that. I played it when they had the remaster come out uh, as a bonus for five, but I, yeah, it's been, it's been a while since I've played that one. I don't think there's a quick out to that one. I think just the big, the big sell on that one was the multiple endings, the two choices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there is. I'm looking it up right now. I, I think it's just like those multiple endings. I think that's it. Yeah. No, I don't think there is. Okay. So maybe it's just uh, four, five, and six. Because I don't, I don't know that there was one in Far Cry Primal either. Yeah, I didn't play that one. That's the only one I kind of skipped, and I've, I've heard I didn't miss out on anything. But I, I played through it like a month or two ago, and it was, it was all right. It wasn't great, but I was like, eh, it's whatever. It felt like it should. I don't know. It felt like it was DLC. That guy is like one of those times where it's like, oh, this is DLC, like a little extra thing we can add on to you know far cry 4 hmm. and then it's like you know what it's a little too much to be dlc we'll just make it its own game but it also wasn't really enough to be its own thing i think too it was the map from far cry primal was the exact same map from far cry 4 but just reskinned to be to like change the time period yeah that's usually how they do because that's how blood dragon is for three yeah yeah they did what was they did a uh, far cry 5 uh, like a, a similar thing too. I forget what it was called. They, they did the Vietnam one, and then they did mm-hmm. the Mars. They 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 kept reskidding the map essentially. Well, um, they did like an, a standalone sort of game after Far Cry Five, right? Am I mistaken? Well, they did do um, uh, New Dawn. I think is what it's called. Or New Dawn. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one uses it too. But the four DLCs for the original Far Cry Five were the mm-hmm. or three, I should say. It was a Vietnam one, a zombie one, and a, a Martian one. Yeah, yeah, I knew they had done those. Far Cry New Dawn was something, but I, th- I don't. That particular was meant to be a follow up to Far Cry Five, so I, I kind of give them some slack on that because it was meant to show what happens after everything goes wrong. Yeah, and it's I mean it's interesting in its own right. Most of the Far Cry games are are generally just enjoyable explore, you know, skill up skill tree RPGs. Yeah, I don't know. I always yeah I hadn't played New Dawn, but yes. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting stuff, though. I'll have to check some of these out at some point. But anyway, we're a little longer than I expected to go here. I don't mean to keep you too long. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrapped up here? Uh, no, I mean, I'm I'm pretty good with it. If you are, if there's anything else you uh, wanted to ask me, you got anything else? I mean, I don't really have anything on the agenda, honestly. Just came on to talk and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, like I said, anytime you want to talk again about anything about guns and games or anything like that need some uh need some answers feel free to reach out we'll do awesome yeah why don't you tell people again where they go to check out all your stuff so you can go to hello tangent the podcast you can find it anywhere you get your podcast at spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, wherever um and you'll find me and different friends come on the show and talk about sometimes iconic cars from tv and movies sometimes uh, I don't know, random 80s shows or something like that. Sometimes <laughs> we talk about 
uh, Star Wars movies. I've been doing a uh, a big a big uh, kind of wrap up on ranking all the Star Wars movies, and I'll have that finished next week. Um, I've kind of had some intermediate episodes with friends coming on to catch up, and then I actually look forward to doing some episodes based on war movies and uh, and firearms in TV and iconic firearms in movies and TV. So that's going to be on the horizon. Uh, but you can find me there. You can also find me on twitch.tv slash hello underscore tangent. If you want to watch me make a fool out of myself, sometimes playing retro games, sometimes <laughs> playing new games. And um, yeah, other than that, you can find me on Twitter, uh, hello tangent, basically everywhere. Um, same thing with Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I, I post dumb stuff and we talk about, like I said, movies and TV and video games and comics. Nice. And all those links will be in the description as well. You guys can click through check out all this stuff thank you again for coming on really appreciate it had a good time i appreciate it yeah me too uh anytime man just feel free to reach out awesome and and everyone you can check out deadjustproductions.live it's got links to all of our stuff on there that is our website and uh yeah like i said well by the time this episode comes out uh my the uh, my streaming days will have passed i'm we're recording this on the 7th but this episode won't be out until like the 23rd, I think, because we're recording a bit more in advance since we have so many people lined up to to guest uh, these next couple of weeks. But so anyway, if you missed it, I streamed from the 14th to the 18th. I streamed a lot of those days. They'll probably be up on YouTube, though. You can check them out if you missed them. But uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you all next time. Kyle will probably be back, assuming he's still alive. You know, it's a few weeks into the future. Who can say what happens? But, you know. You know, thanks everyone for listening. Have a good one.